book of Luke this morning will be in Luke chapter number 10, Luke chapter number 10, and we look forward to what the Lord has for us, uh, uh, the Word of God this morning, and uh, we had a wonderful Sunday school hour, and I always enjoy Sunday school and what the Lord has for us and the fellowship and all the music we've enjoyed already this morning, and the music's always a blessing. But now we come to Luke chapter number 10, and we're going to uh, look at verses 30 down through verse 37 this morning. And I want to use a parable uh, of the Lord this morning to uh, see what God has for us today. But Luke chapter number 10, and beginning with verse number 30. You follow along as I read. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showeth mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, Go, and do thou likewise. Our text verse this morning is verse 36. <clears throat> Which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? This morning I want to preach a message I've entitled, How Neighborly Are You? How neighborly are you? Father, I pray that you would help us this morning as we look into your word. May the Spirit of God speak to us today. Father, may the truths of Scripture remind us of things that should take priority in our life. May your words speak to us today as we consider our salvation, our eternity. Do we have our eternity settled? Do we know where we will spend eternity? And Father, I pray if there's one uncertain of their eternity, may today they get that settled. May they realize Jesus paid their sin debt for them. They must look to him for salvation. Father, may today be the day of salvation for someone who's lost. I pray that you'll bless your church. May you help us this morning. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So look at verse number 36, and we have the question of the Lord. Think which of now these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And the thought this morning of how neighborly are you, to put in proper context the parable that we have, we must go back to verses 25 through 29. And there was a lawyer who came to question the Lord and was using the law to ask questions of Christ. Now, bear in mind, Jesus came to fulfill all the law, and the law would no matter, no longer be the standard of, of man's righteousness. It would be the relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And this lawyer, this one who was an expert in the law, uh, in verse 25, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? It's amazing that how many of these lawyers, and these aren't 
like Eddie Farrell lawyers. These are uh, those who were uh, uh, experts in the law of God. And, and uh, he said unto them, What is written in the law? How readest thou? Trying to use the law to entrap the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 27, he answering said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. Well, he gives the answer. Well, I know what the Bible says. I know what the law says. Love the Lord thy God with all my heart. See, he could say, I love the Lord God with all my heart. And Jesus knew the heart. But the average man can't tell what's in another man's heart. But then that verse, with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself, verse number 28, and he said unto him, Thou hast answered right this do, and thou shalt live. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Attempting to justify himself as how I keep the law and Certainly, the Pharisees that, that <coughs> here, they held that Jesus was only uh, a, a troublemaker because he, was, again, he, would, he was not, did not go with the law. This man did what so many attempt to do is to justify themselves. It's amazing how many times we will use the law, if you will, to justify our own self. Well, well I, I'm, I, I'm good enough. Now, this world is not good enough, but I'm good enough. Or we'll look at the law and we'll say and we're confronted with our own sin condition. We're confronted with our own inadequacies. And we'll say, well, I'm not as bad as somebody else. Or, or we'll hold to a portion of the law. And this man has tried to entrap the Lord and question Jesus about who it is to have eternal life. But he ends verse 29, but he will justify himself, son of Jesus. And who is my neighbor? In doing so, we bring down the law to our standard rather than live our life and do according to its requirements. Isn't it amazing? We're saved by grace and we're saved by faith. You can't work your way to heaven. You can't do enough good works to equal out the bad works as some might would, would believe. Uh, one sin is enough to send a soul to hell. There's nothing that we in our own power and ability can do that. And when we bring the law down to try and fit our standard, instead of us rising to the standard of belief in Christ. But many Christians, as Christians, sometimes we do the same thing. We like to justify ourselves. With this in context, Jesus uses the parable of the Good Samaritan to ask and answer the question, how neighborly are you? Often we as a Christian, we would even say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm friendly. Well, how, how neighborly are you really? Well, I, I want to be, be like Christ. Well, how neighborly are you? Well, I want to do good in this world. How neighborly are you? I mean, after all, Pastor, we're not like this world. Jesus puts that to the test and asks and answers the question, how neighborly are you? Now, this morning, to put it in proper context, I'm not just talking about, well, my neighbor came out and I waved at them and got in the car and left. How neighborly are you? There's a difference in what Jesus is teaching and us being able to say, 
this is what I do, this is what I don't do. He's going to illustrate how what is in our heart, and if we bring the law, we bring the standard down to us, it changes the way that we should live. Now, let's look at this story, if you will, with, with, with Jesus answering this lawyer with this parable, this story that illustrates a greater truth. And number one, we look at the calamity uh, that we find in this story. Look at verse number 30, and Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among the thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. There was travel, regular travel from Jerusalem to Jericho, and the Lord gives the illustration that there was a man, a certain man. He was teaching this would have been a bin. This was a bin. It's, it, he clarifies that there was a man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and what would relate with this lawyer is it was common for Jews to travel from Jerusalem to Jericho. And as he was traveling, the scripture tells us that he encountered thieves. There were some who stole from him on his journey. They stripped him of his raiment. They wounded him, verse 30 tells us, and departed. It is sad that we still live in a day, we will always live in a day as long as sin abounds where a man would treat a fellow man in this way. But let me just also, but as we're making this point this morning, let me make, uh, just also mention that this is what the world does to us. It takes from us. It, it robs us. But he gives this illustration of this man that traveled and he's left in a calamity. Notice what verse number 30 says, leaving him half dead. Boy, this is a sad, sad story. As we look at number two, we can consider the characters. And this is where we'll spend just a little bit of time this morning. We understand, first of all, as we're told in verse number 30 of the calamity that is presented. There's a man who is minding his own business, traveling from one place to another. He encountered thieves. He encountered the, the worst of this world. He was robbed. That which he had worked for, that which was given to him, was taken from him. Uh, th th then he was stripped of his raiment. He was, ha he was beaten. He was left for half dead. See, how, how dead is half dead? Well, well, it's not in as good a shape as three, you know, a quarter dead or three quarters dead. It's not in a good situation. He's left there on the side of the road. Now, notice the characters of this parable. First of all, we see in verse number 31, and by chance there came down a certain priest. We see the first character. A certain priest came down. This is the one who offered the sacrifice in the temple. There came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. He avoided any interaction with this one who had been beaten, robbed. Now, the priest was a Jew. The man who was beaten would have been a Jew. And when he saw there was a situation, he avoided even making any contact. Way I liken this to a lot of Christians, like if I, they put blinders on, and if I don't see a need, I don't have to fill it. If I don't ever see anybody lost, I don't have to go try and reach them. If I, if I don't see it, then the Bible says what happened in verse 31, he passed by on the other side. 
He saw and said, I'm going to go this way where I'm not confronted by the condition of this individual. This was the priest. Secondly, in verse number 32, and likewise a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. The Levite would have assisted with the priest, but here's another holy man. And notice the difference in verse 32 and verse 31, when he was at the place. Now, the priest saw and avoided altogether. The Levite came to where he was, and when he was at the place, came and looked on him. The priest, I know there's something over there. I'm going to go the other way. The Levite came, looked on him. And oh, when he saw his condition, he helped him, didn't he? No, that's not what the scripture says. Looked on him and passed by on the other side. He came and he encountered this man. There was, and by the way, there was no misunderstanding the condition that this man was in. He had been robbed. He had been beaten, stripped of his raiment. He was half to, he was left for dead. He was left to die on the side of the road in this journey from Jerusalem to Jericho. The Levite sees him and say, what, what took place? In essence, he saw him, said, that's too bad and pass by the other way. How many times do Christians go through life, not just with blinders on, but sometimes we encounter it? And when somebody's left on the side of the road half dead, is there any question that they're in bad shape? But how many times do we see the need of somebody else and we say to ourselves, well, that's too bad. And then we go on the other way. By the way, when we see a need that somebody has, I think we should probably have a responsibility to encounter it. We should place ourselves not as the priest and say, I'm just going to avoid it altogether. And if I see that there's going to be a possible need, I'm going to go the other way and not even make myself available to somebody else. The Levite encounters it, looks on it. That's too bad. Goes the other on the other side. Then we find the third man in the story in verse 33, but a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. The priest and the Levite would have had more in common with the man who had been robbed than the Samaritan did. The Samaritan was a half-breed. The Samaritan, the Jews considered to be dogs. The priest would have had something in common with the man, on the, uh, the man who had been beaten. The Levite would have had more in common with the man who had been beaten. And if you study this historically, uh, there were a lot of priests that, that would have traveled back and forth from Jerusalem to Jericho. So it is, the, but Jesus doesn't tell us, but it could have been another priest. It could have been a Levite, but we know that it, more than likely, in context of this, was another Jew. And the priest would have had something in common with them, but when he saw, hey, there's somebody over there, I'm going to avoid it altogether. How sad. How sad for our fellow man to have a need, and we avoid them altogether. That's not the way a Christian should live. That's not the way a Christian should conduct themselves. 
Then you have the Levite. He, he comes upon it, and this man had been beaten and robbed and left for dead, and he sees it, and maybe he shrugs his shoulders, and that's really unfortunate. That's, that's too bad. But he also goes on the other side. But here comes along the Samaritan, who could you imagine in this, this lawyer this, who, has, who has this pride and this self-fulfillment in his own life, when he hears him use the illustration of a Samaritan and, and the prejudice in his own heart towards the Samaritan and the disdain in his own heart towards the Samaritan as Jesus lays out the story and there's a Samaritan who as he journeyed came where he was and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Then, of course, we know that Jesus asked the question, which one is the neighbor? Which one was the neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? The Samaritan who had less in common with the man with the need than the other two. The Bible says he came to where he was. That's half of it. That's half of it. You know, we as a church, and let me just interject this, we've got to be very, very careful. God's been good to us, hasn't he? He saved us. He's given us a home in heaven. He saved us out of this world. I like what we have as the Emmanuel Baptist Church. God has given us a great church to be a part of, and, and we get help, and, and we want to rear our children the way the Bible says to rear them, and we want to have something that brings honor and glory to the world. We've got to be very, very careful. There's still a lost world out there with needs, and just because God has blessed us doesn't mean we should avoid coming in contact with those that have needs. And certainly the difference in the Samaritan and with a lot of people is when he came on him, when he saw him, the Bible says he had compassion on him. You know what we need a revival of amongst Christians? It's compassion. You know, it's more important for you to have compassion than it is for you to have conservative politics. No, I'm not telling you to have liberal but we're so self-righteous that we miss the very characteristic, the very reason why God sent His Son to pay our sin debts, for God so loved the world. And friend, let me just drive that point home. It's a sad time in our nation when one end of the political spectrum wants you to hate the other side of this political spectrum, but God says we're supposed to have compassion on every man. I'm not saying we don't draw our lines where the Bible draws our line. I'm not saying there's not a time to take a stand. But here's a man who had nothing in common in the man with a need. In fact, if, if he was a Jew like the rest of the Jews, that Jew would have hated the Samaritan, wouldn't have had anything to do with the Samaritan. But the Samaritan encountered him, saw the need, had compassion on him. You know what would change our, our city? You know what would change our country? You know what would change our world? Is if God's people decided they're going to have compassion on those that have needs, compassion on those who have burdens, compassion on those who have been taken advantage of in this world. But sadly, many times in the mind of a Christian, we would look at that individual and say, well, I guess you should have been more careful. I guess you shouldn't have been traveling by yourself. 
It's too bad that that happened to you. But here was a man, when he saw him, he didn't check to see if he was just like him. Check to see what all the circumstances were. Here's a man lying in a ditch, left to die. He's had everything taken from him. He saw compassion on him. And that compassion moved him to help him. Do we really, church, have compassion when we say, oh, there's a world that is dying and we don't do anything to help save it? Oh, there's people out there that are hurting and we don't do anything to help them. Oh, there are those out there who this world has taken and this world has robbed them and this world has, has stripped them and this world has, has left them for dead and cast them aside. Oh, I know there's people out there, but what are we doing to help? The Samaritan had compassion on him, and look what happened in verse number 34. We see now the care. Number three, the care. Look at verse 34. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. He didn't just see it, he didn't just see it was a, a statistic. He had the mindset that I've encountered this individual, so therefore it's my responsibility to help. It's, it's me who's crossed his path. Well, this is a, this is a heavily traveled road. Certainly somebody else is going to come by. That was not the mindset of this Samaritan. And by the way, the Samaritan knew, and I've already said it, and I feel like it needs to be said again, the Samaritan didn't have everything in common with the man who was beaten and left for dead. So what did the, look what the Bible says that he did. He had compassion on him, verse 4, and went to him and bound up his wounds. Now, I'm not against, please, I know you, you, you understand when I make this statement. Because I'm for prayer, and we should pray for people. But he didn't just pray for him. Well, I got all these needs, and I got all these problems, and well, I'll pray for you, brother. You know, that does not alleviate you and me of our responsibility to go beyond and help. Now, you ought to pray. I know this isn't exciting preaching this morning. We need to be reminded that when we encounter somebody who has a need that we can do something about, we ought, to have the, we ought to take the mindset of doing it. It always, number one, it always starts with compassion. You as a Christian ought to pray this every day. Lord, give me compassion. Lord, keep me with a heart of compassion. And by the way, envy will squeeze that compassion out. Bitterness will squeeze that compassion out. Sin that we harbor in our heart will squeeze that compassion out. Pride will squeeze that compassion out. Lord, keep my heart. Compassionate for other people. Don't get jaded by this world. Don't get calloused by this world and how people will take advantage of you. And, and I never got to thank you for that. Friend, it's just about if I encounter somebody, the Samaritan went to him and notice what he said. He bound up his wounds. That took some effort. Pouring in oil and wine and set him on his own beast. Well, if I put him on 
my beast, then I have to walk. Well, Pastor, if I do that, well, it inconveniences me and it inconveniences my family. Well, it's about time God's people care about the man that doesn't have anything in common with them, figuratively speaking, laid in a ditch. That this world has abused and taken advantage of and robbed. But, 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 if I, but if I, you know, that, the, the oil that is poured in the wounds, that's taking money out of my pocket. Pastor, I went and picked somebody up for church and brought them in. Here's the receipt for my gas. Now, that's never happened. But I'm just throwing it out there so it never happens. Well, 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 Pastor, I, 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 the Lord impressed upon me that this need ought to be taken care of. So as soon as the church can come up with a means to do it, we're going to do it. Well, the Lord may have impressed upon you to do something to have compassion because he might want you to do it. And yes, I know it brings inconvenience. And yes, I know that it cost us something. He set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. Well, you think about the length that this Samaritan went to. He noticed, as the other two to different degrees, he stopped, he saw he had compassion. But it wasn't just something he felt in his heart where he felt sorry, he felt pity. Compassion leads you to do something about it. Oh, I have compassion for a lost world. Well, do you? What are you doing about it? I have compassion for the next generation uh, and the way the devil is after them. And, and what are we going to have? In our, well, what are you doing about it? Compassion leads us to do something. Pastor, I have compassion for this group of people and this, 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 this part of our society that nobody is reaching. I have compassion about it. Well, why don't you decide that you're going to go bind the wounds, put them on your own beast, and take them to the end so they can get well. I feel all alone this morning. And took care of him. It was inconvenient. It messed with his schedule. Verse 35. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. I hate to say this, but a lot of Baptists would have said, Okay, he'll pay you when it's done. That's not what the Samaritan said. He went, he's already made the effort to stop and have compassion to bind his wounds, dress his wounds, put him on his own beast, him walk him into town, put him in an inn so he can be nursed back to health. Remember, he's been robbed. His, his, his raiment has been taken from him. He's left to die. To put him in an inn and then said, I've got to go. But I'm going to give you some money to care for him. And if it exceeds that, when I come back, I'll pay the tab. I'll pay the tab. You know, one of the problems 
with us being the neighbor that we should be, as the Lord's speaking about, is we're too cheap and we're too tight. Well, I work hard for that. I hope it's not you and me that gets robbed on the way from Jerusalem to Jericho. We'll sure look at compassion a different way then, won't we? We'll be glad that somebody cares about us. This was, in, in, in my notes as I was outlining this message, I wrote one word along the line of everything that I've just spoke, spoke about with, the, with the, the care of this man is the word investment. I stand here today and may I testify and give God the glory. I'm thankful that there's been many who've invested in me. And you haven't got to where you are in life without somebody investing in you. You haven't always been Mr. and Mrs. Emmanuel Baptist Church. There was a time when you were broken. There was a time when your heart was heavy. There was a time, figuratively speaking, perhaps, when you've been left on the side of the road for dead, and God, through somebody else, helped you, put you on their own beast, and said, I'm going to get you to where you need to go. And when you get there, I'm going to make sure you get what you need to get well. Get what you need to get back on your feet. Get what you need so that you can go on with the rest of your life. And this can be a, a, a memory for you. And you can have something to look forward to. I'm glad that somebody invested in me. We ought to be glad that somebody invested in us. Why are we so selfish with our time, our money, our influence, our talent that we don't want to invest in somebody else? But if I bind the wounds, I might get blood on my hands. Wear gloves. But my schedule might be altered. It's not what I had planned. You know, sometimes God changes. Is there anything more important than... we? we I'm just going to say it. We as Christians, as we should, will stand against abortion. We'll stand again, and the election's coming up. If you vote for no other reason, vote for life. You say, well, that offends, well, what was it, Ronald Reagan that said? It's amazing, everybody's before abortion has already been born. But why is it we'll take a hard stand against that and our fellow man, because they don't, because they're not exactly like us, can be suffering, can be left on the side of the road, figuratively speaking, and we walk by them. We don't, we don't extend a hand uh, of help to them. We don't want to invest in somebody else. Well, they're nothing like us. Maybe if we help them get up, maybe if we dress their wounds, get them down to the end so somebody can care for them, maybe they'll get what they need so they can move on and continue in life. Now, I've said all that, and we'll come to number four, the conclusion. I remind you, this is our Lord that is telling this story. This is not a Baptist preacher telling the story. It's the Lord. What is the conclusion? Jesus lays all of this out. The, the, the man who's been beaten, and remember the context. Well, who really is my neighbor? Isn't it amazing? Well, I believe the law and this and this and this and, 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 and but, you know, really, who is my neighbor? You know, too many times we try and determine 
when it comes to the things of God, the law of God, how we interpret that and how we apply it. And amazingly, we usually always apply it to where it best benefits us. The Lord answers, and then we find the conclusion in verse 37. And he said, he that should... Well, look at verse 36. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? He answers that question. The lawyer does, and he said, he that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, go... And do thou likewise. I've pointed out some pretty obvious truths this morning. I've reminded us of really where there's feet to our Christianity. Well, I'm I'm thankful for what God's done for me. Well, don't pass by and avoid the fact that there's other people out there. And let me just make this applicable to our church. Just because your kids have already gone through the Christian school doesn't mean we don't still need a Christian school. Just because there's a ministry that doesn't really benefit you for, because it's just not where you live, it's just not what you do in life, it's just where you are in life, doesn't mean that ministry is not still important. You say, oh, why, 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 do we, why do we talk about the reaching Spanish nations or the Operation Light or this and that? I'm never going over there, but there's people over there that want the gospel. It's having compassion. Going is finding where the people are and having compassion. There are people who live in your neighborhood. Pastor, I pray for somebody to come reach them. Why don't you reach them? I've got a coworker. I wish somebody would invite them to church. Why don't you invite them? Well, I know I go to church, so I'm going to walk around the building this way so that I don't have an encounter. No, go, have compassion. You know, when somebody's in as bad a shape as this man on the side of the road, I don't find in this story he's over there, you're a Samaritan. Don't touch me. Don't mend my wounds. Don't take me and help me. This man was probably... Certainly, just glad somebody cared enough to stop and help him. Go and do thou likewise. I can remind us of this this morning, but unless we go and do thou likewise, it's done us no good. No good. I trust this morning that the Lord has impressed, the Holy Spirit of God has impressed somebody on your heart, perhaps impressed a a scenario on your heart. May we be looking. May we not be as like, oh. I'll confess it, whether any of y'all will. There have been times I'm like, I'm in, I'm in a hurry. I'm ready to go. And then I see somebody and the Spirit of God says, you need to talk to them. You know, Holy Spirit, it'd be better if you like put this on my schedule ahead of time. Don't you know how busy I am? I'm a pastor that you put on this earth to help people. I, I don't have helping somebody in my schedule. I mean, how silly do we sound as a child of God? Oh, I just don't have... No, it's inconvenience. It takes our time. It takes our energy. It really comes down to, are we going to have compassion on those that the Lord have compassion on? Go and do thou likewise. I conclude with this. Are you like the lawyer this morning? 
Maybe you're here and you're justifying yourself. You know you're lost. You know you're without Christ. You know there's never been a time when you look to Jesus as the only way to heaven. Maybe you're counting on your church membership somewhere. Maybe you're counting on a religion. Maybe you're counting on what your grandmother did or what what your heritage is. Friend, when we stand before God, it's going to be us and nobody else. And it's going to be whether or not we have put our faith and trust in what Christ did on Calvary. Maybe this morning you're like a lawyer and you'd say, I'm not as bad as somebody else. Certainly God wouldn't send me to hell. Maybe you justify it and say, I've done good works and I'm basically a good person, and that doesn't line up with what the Bible says about all men, for all have sinned to come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, the Bible tells us. No matter all your works, you can pile them all up, and the Scripture tells us they're as filthy rags in the sight of God. He which is holiness, what we can produce to him is unholiness. Maybe you're like the lawyer this morning and say, I really don't need to deal with that. You justify yourself. Might I remind you that there is a day that is going to come when you and I, all men, will give an account. Would you allow me to testify just for a moment? I'm thankful that the day comes. I don't have to give a record of my life because it is under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. His record is my record. But without the blood of Christ, you will give an account. Maybe this morning you'd say, well, we justify it. And and we use the law. We know enough about the Bible. And for God so loved the world, surely he wouldn't do. But if you put it all in the context, we have a day of reckoning with our sins. And friend, I'm thankful as those who are saved this morning should be thankful that there was a day when I was confronted with that. And I was made uncomfortable with the fact that I am going to have to pay for my own sins. And I'm thankful that as a child, I didn't try and justify my own heart, my own mind. I said, I have to have the payment that Jesus made. Don't be like the lawyer this morning trying to just use the law to justify your lost condition. This morning, let us not be like those who pass by. Well, I'm a Samaritan and they're a Jew. They might be offended if I try and help them. You know, that's just a risk that we ought to take. Well, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Samaritan. They're a Jew. Let's not be like those who had more in common than the man on the side of the road, but may we be looking for somebody with the need and have compassion. Maybe this morning the Spirit of God spoke to you and I spoke on the word compassion. Just for a moment, as I've mentioned, it, every child of God needs to have compassion for other people. It's compassion that, 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 that compels us to give the gospel. It's compassion that has us praying for others. It's compassion that has us altering our schedule and going out of the way and trying to meet the need of somebody else. It's compassion that, that allows us to reach into our pocket and take our money and give so missionaries can go give the gospel. It's compassion that allows us to teach a Sunday school class or get on a bus and go pick others up. It's compassion. Maybe this morning, that's what the Spirit of God is living in your heart. May I not be a compassionless Christian like the priest or the Levite who would avoid those who have need. But may I be like the Samaritan as the Lord taught this story to this lawyer. May it speak to us this morning and say, may I be willing to invest in somebody else. We find no account of this man ever telling the Samaritan thank you. 
The Lord ends the story with the investment. Pastor, I did that and I just felt like there was not gratitude shown. Why'd you do it? To make yourself feel better or because there was somebody who had a need? Pastor, I'll do it as long as it makes me feel better. Why don't we do what helps somebody else? I can tell you, I've, I've had, there's times I've spent with people and tried to help them, invest in them. And when I get all done with it, I don't feel very good. But I can't help but think it's what the Lord would do. He is our standard. How neighborly are you? I wave. Let me break it down. When you walk in the doors of this church, whether you've been attending for one week or for decades, how neighborly are you to the people you go to church with? Oh, well, that's, I, if I go over there, I'm a, I'm a, and, and, if, and if you haven't been here long, what you're going to figure out is when we dismiss in just a moment, let me encourage you with that in just a moment, there's going to be a rush. Before services, there's fellowship. And if you sit over here, you have to make an effort to come over here and vice versa. Well, if I go over there, I'm going to have to. And if I say, how are you doing? They're going to tell me. <laughs> no, I really didn't want you to tell me. That's just what you say, you know. And then if they tell me, then I got to say, you know, I'll pray for you. And then I know if I say I pray for you, I don't want to be a liar. So then I'd have to pray for them. Christian life is so difficult, isn't it? This world needs us to live what was preached this morning. But so do the people in this room. I'm afraid many times in the life of a Christian, it's like, well, you see someone on the side of the road, it's like, well, they, they probably deserved it. You should have listened. You shouldn't have traveled by yourself. Haven't you seen the travel advisories? It's your own fault. Well, when somebody encounters thieves, whether they deserved it or not, may we be the first one to extend a hand to try and put them back on the road to recovery. The household of faith needs us to live what was preached this morning. Boy, if you need Christ this morning, don't leave the service without trusting Him, depending on Him. Child of God, do we have compassion as Christ has compassion? Are we willing to invest, inconvenience ourselves? This is convicting to everyone from the pulpit to the last seat in the back. Because all of us have a tendency to make it all about us. But Christ made it about everybody else. May we follow his example. Father, I pray this morning that you would use.